What is this? Fails. Fails. Well, excuse me, princess. Just shut up and listen. And listen good, chief. This is not a drill. Your words are as empty as your soul. But enough talk. How about you? When we find that media, we'll find Dr. Wowie. So a couple of weekends ago, me and my wife go on a onesie bar crawl downtown Cincinnati. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's basically just a bunch of drunks walking around downtown, moving from bar to bar while wearing onesies. For those who don't know what a onesie is, just imagine a baby's onesie, but, you know, a full adult one. No trap door, but, you know, the zipper up the front. And apparently this is just a big thing now. So there's all kinds of, like, creatures and stuff that you can get. So, like, there's dinosaurs and, like, uh, there's I found a couple of Mortal Kombat characters online uh, that you could buy. I was Frankenstein's monster, which I was pretty happy with. There was one other guy who was dressed up the exact same way as me. And we did that knowing look from across the bar, like, oh, I saw you, you Frankenstein's monster. I'm Frankenstein's monster. All right. We're going to hook up later at the end of this. We're going to go, you know, find some villagers with some pickaxes and uh, tiki torches um, that you find out and about uh, in the, the rough streets of downtown Cincinnati. And my wife and I, you know, we met up with some friends. We're having a great time, you know, just, you know, just relaxing and drinking beers and hanging out in our onesies. And there are two women uh, who were in the bar with us who are dressed up as Mario and Luigi. And it kind of strikes me as odd because I'm not expecting this. I'm not expecting to see, you know, this video gaming culture that I've been a part of since like four years old to be out in, you know, in the bar of all places. and. It's interesting to think about how far we've come as a as a society, as a community of video gamers to find this stuff out and about in the strangest places, especially a onesie bar crawl. And here is Mario and Luigi hanging out on a couch drinking beers. And when I say that these onesies and these designs for these onesies have gotten a little bit out of control, I mean, they've gotten a little bit out of control, for instance. The Mario Brothers are complete with, of course, the uh, correct colored jumpsuits, overalls, undershirt, hat, and the coup de gras. Actually, that's the killing mode. What's it? What's I don't remember what the phrase is, but not the not the killing, not the not the coup de gras. The coup de grace mm. is the mustache. In the mustache is not what you would assume. It's just a felt piece of fabric. That kind of like, you know, wraps around like a mask, but you put it under your nose to make it look like it's a Mario and Luigi mustache. So the whole time, this mustache, and I can't stop staring at this, this this mustache is a complete inconvenience to these ladies wearing these onesies because they're constantly moving it up above the nose area to take a drink of the beer and then cautiously putting it back under the nose to complete the ensemble of the Mario and Luigi brothers or the Mario brothers. Mario and Luigi. Mario, Mario, Luigi, Mario. They're brothers. They're not brothers. They're twins. They're babies in a game. Gets confusing. There was a couple of points during uh, the night where these these girls met up with other friends of theirs, and they proceeded to both jump in the air and the Mario-esque jump uh, like they were hitting a coin block or something. 
just so weird as somebody who's been playing video games for so long to just be out in the world and seeing out this community being celebrated in a onesie bar crawl. And it it gives me strange feelings because it was one sexy Luigi. I am Eric M. Hunter. This is When All Else Fails. It's an internet radio show about video games, the stories composed from them, and advice to a healthier gaming lifestyle. What a show we have for you, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to start ourselves off with a question. Sonic Boom. And here we go. Dear When All Else Fails, I'm an avid gamer since the NES era. I just want to stop you right there. It is N-E-S, not NES. It's not a word. It's an acronym. Gosh, people. <coughs> As I die. Uh, we have, let's say, uh, uh, so, uh, let's just go back. I've been an avid gamer since the NES era. As have become more and more advanced as have become more and more advanced. Mm. I'm going to guess it's supposed to be as games have become more and more advanced people. You've got, you've got to proofread these. You've got to check your grammar make sure your spelling's correct as games sick have become more and more advanced. The need for tutorials have become a necessity. Typically this is done by displaying the controls or combos on a subscreen or as a loading screen. Here there are a few developers that have created a character to teach you how to play the game. The problem is they know exactly what button for you to push on the controller. One example that comes to mind is Birdie from the Birdie the Scarecrow from Conker's Bad Fur Day. He tells you to press B, then Conker's asks, press B, then confirms it by saying, okay, I'm going to press B. The letter B is the same button that it is on my controller. How does the scarecrow know anything about this controller? And how do they know what pressing it means? Signed, Mindful Mentor. Now, I think you just stumbled across something. Um, you're right. You know, games have become more and more advanced as time goes on. And, uh, you know, it's it's uh, the controls themselves are a lot more complicated. It's just not your simple, you know, like the Atari 2600 days where it's just the joystick and a single button, you know, and then even with the NES... Uh, you've got your directional pad, you got your A, your B, your select, your start. You know, there's not a whole lot of buttons on something like that. But now, you know, like on an Xbox One controller, we've got shoulder buttons, we've got bumpers, we've got X, Y, A, B. Yeah, X, Y, A, B. We've got dual analog sticks that if you push them in, those are also buttons. You've got a control pad with one, two, three, eight different directions. You know, it's games are definitely becoming more advanced and kind of confusing and the need for a tutorial is necessary uh, in some cases. I, you know, I believe that. I think that's a true, a true thing. But having the game know what button to push, I mean, dear, dear listener, I mean, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. And in case you haven't known this already, the fact that you cited a game that was created for the Nintendo 64, the company Nintendo has been spying on you since the early days of the NES. It's true. There'll be people out there who say, Eric, you're lying. And you know what? You're wrong. And they'll say, Eric, I want proof. I'm like, the proof is missing. It's gone. It's hidden. Nintendo's been spying on us gamers since the early 1980s. It's true. Think about it. Every console has some sort of microphone and camera and is constantly pushing back information to Nintendo servers, even before the internet was a thing. It's true. All of this information has been going over the airways wirelessly through your cerebellum and in through your eyeballs and ones and zeros coming out your at your nostrils. All of this information goes back to Nintendo. It's the perfect example as to why the Nintendo Wii was created. 
Now, you may not believe this, but if you watch somebody who is very intent on completing a game and is struggling to do their darndest to beat this game, you'll see that they'll move with the game. For example, if you're playing Rad Racer, again, for the NES, you'd make that left quick turn. Your body shifts to the left. You move right to dodge the car. Your body moves to the right. Your hands physically move the controller left and right to show the motions that are tr you're trying to portray on screen. Nintendo has all of this information of people doing this. And then they sent it back to their computers and their servers in Japan. If that's really where the company is. Japan. Like that country exists. Come on, people. And they took all that information and they analyzed it with artificial intelligence that will one day take us over and dominate us and enslave the human race. It's been told. Have you not played Terminator? It's terrible. Don't play that game. It's awful. But this is where they got the idea for the Wii mode. It's like, man, these, these people, they're constantly moving back and forth, even though the motions of their body and their hands don't do anything until they actually push the button on the controller. Nintendo saw this. They saw this and they thought, what an idea. A motion controlled controller. And that was it. They have been spying on us. That's the reason why Nintendo is leading the market in innovation and Microsoft and Sony are just dying to follow in behind a distant second and third. They are not watching us, but Nintendo is. Keep that under your hat. People won't believe you, but it's true. It's true. All right, how about a game fact? This one comes from the Super Metroid Super NES board. Title, Question About Metroid Fusion by Red Dusk. Think about buying the Japanese version. So my question, can I play it on regular GameCube GBA adapter thingy that goes below the GameCube? Also, does it have much dialogue? I assume it's like Super Metroid, which can be played, played, P-L-A-Y-I-E-D, easily on Japanese, since there's no subtitles or dialogue at all. Thanks. What a question. What a question. So Red Dusk has decided to go to a Super NES messaging board to ask a question about a Game Boy Advance game. Huh. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, I think the, the answer is just no. The answer is no. I mean, it's just, you know, that, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're asking questions about, you know, playing it on the game, the GameCube GBA adapter thingy, I mean, it's, you're just asking for a, a whole bucket of worms to just come crawling out onto your floor and, you know, underneath your toes and getting into your bed sheets. And that's just not something you want right now. That, that can needs to stay closed. It needs to stay shut forever, you know, because the half-life for those kind of can worms are, I mean, it's like hundreds of thousands of years. So the second you let that bad boy lid open, it's, I mean, it's just going to plague the earth. Like, why would you want to do that? You know, um, yeah, there's not a lot of dialogue. I don't think there's a lot of dialogue. There's probably not a lot of dialogue. Metroid Fusion. Metroid doesn't talk that much. She just, you know, runs around in that ball thingy. You know, she can't crawl for whatever reason. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's a little inconvenient, I think, because there's lots of small spaces um, that require, you know, crawling of some sort. And it's just, you know, you turn into this little ping pong, you know, to play a little tennis match while, you know, the the bad guys are taking over whatever they're taking over and Metroid's just, you know, playing with her boomsticks and watching a tennis match. It's just, that's just a little much. It's a little, it's a, it's a little bit of a loaded question. It really is, you know, cause I mean, you're asking about subtitles, you're asking about dialogue, you know, 
again, Japan, is it even really a country? Does it even really exist? I did. I mean, I think it's just, it's just bad propaganda, um, to dash those radio waves into your brain, uh, to make you buy Nintendo products, which I mean, you know, we're all affected. I mean, I have uh, easily over, you know, probably a hundred and 115, um, physical cartridges sitting on a shelf collecting dust. I'm never going to play those. I don't even remember buying those. I don't remember getting them. They just showed up one day. Like I, you know, woke up in the middle of the night under some sort of sleepy spell, um, and, you know, walked out to the, the all night video game store and then just gave him some greenbacks, uh, to the, to the robot behind the, the desk and said, you know, give me all your NES cartridges. I have a shelf that is collecting dust. So I thought maybe I could put these cartridges on there and make them collect dust as well. You know, they're not Roombas. They're not roomba around. They're just sitting there. So, you know, just, just be careful out there, people. You have to be careful out there. Just be careful out there. All right, let's head it over to the treasure chests. Hello, listener. My name's Eric M. Hunter. This is the part of the show where we get to talk about you. That's right. It's the old business shout out. Now, obviously, everybody's looking for sponsors, but I want to do something a little bit different. You know, money's great. I like money. Everybody likes money. But it's more about the value of the content, I think, is what's really important. So this is the part of the show that's going to happen every show that allows you, listener, to advertise whatever you want. Are you an indie developer who's got a game coming out that you want the public to know about? Let me know. Do you have your own podcast? Could be about anything. Doesn't have to be about video games. Got a short little intro? We can pop that bad boy right here. Do you want to say hi to a good friend? Or maybe an old gaming buddy? Who also listens to the show, kind of do a little shout out, a personal shout out. We can do that too. Doesn't have to be money. It could be money. Doesn't have to be. Maybe I can put my intro on your podcast. Or maybe you can give me a key to your game. I don't know. Why don't you just send me an email? Eric at IamEricM.com. Or you can slide into my DMs on Twitter, at Eric Hunter. We'll talk about it. It doesn't have to be a big deal. But if you'd like to advertise on this show, why don't you hit me up? All right, let's head it over to another question. This one actually came from Twitter from my good friend Edward at RetroCode. And he asks, should adult gamers compare their gaming skills with one retro, modern, arcade, and indie game and their favorite genre? Now, I'm just a big dum-dum, so I asked him to clarify because I just didn't understand what he was asking me. Uh, and he was kind enough to do so, so I will continue. Let's take Contra, he says. Contra on the NES skills... Being used to play Metal Slug, which can be used to play Gears of War, which can be used to play Grateful Explosion Machine. And I think he brings up a good point. I think the point that he makes is that a lot of these games nowadays, they always try to expand on the genre that they're being built off of, you know, and with the invention of what is considered a standardized controller, there's really only so many, you know, control schemes you can really get at. So, those running gun games, much like Contra, can definitely pan over to a game like uh, Metal Slug that you find on later generation the consoles. Um, Gears of War uh, coming from that is interesting as well because it is, you know, even though it's, you know, a 3D poly, 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 polyonagon, polyonagon, polyonagon. I just made that word up. Um, polygonal, that's the word. 
uh, polygonal third person over the shoulder game. I mean, it is still very run and gunnish. You know, yeah, you're ducking by cover and you're kind of shooting over cover and kind of thing like that. But it's still very much about how much force can you put on these enemies uh, to take them down. So I can see how those kind of tactics would work out coming from a game like Contra, coming from a game like Metal Slug. It's, it's you know, it, you die or I die. Uh, who's going to be the first one to die? And I get that. That makes sense to me. Um, and you see that with a lot of popular games. You know, platformers, you got Mario. Metroid, you got Metroid. Castlevania, you got Castlevania. Symphony of the Night. Uh, you do have your running guns like Contra. Uh, I've seen lots of games come by with like Smash TV, Robotron, that kind of idea. Uh, Galaga, Galaxian. All those top-down space shooters, uh, R-Type. Um, a lot of games nowadays have their have deep roots and all these. And it got me thinking. I want to see a game based on the not-so-favorable uh, that history has to offer. I want to see a game based on Fester's Quest. I want to play a game, a modern game, where you physically have to stand in front of an enemy for about 30 seconds, shooting it repeatedly just to kill it. That's what I want. Oh, that's the game I want to play. I want to play the game where you have to stand in front of a single enemy at the very start of the game for a good 15, 20 seconds, shooting it over and over and over again just to kill it. That's the game I want to play. I want to play a game where you have to crawl through the sewers, fighting enemies that are way overpowered for you just to get terrible upgrades to your weapon that shoot in strange and terrifyingly horrible ways. That's a game I want to play. I want to talk to an indie developer who made a platformer where their main sense of motivation came from Barbie's adventure. That's what I want to play. I want, I want a developer to tell me why the hit detection is so terrible. It's because it reminded him of Beetlejuice for the NES. And he just felt inspired by that. That's the game I want to play. I want somebody, I want a team. So for those uh, people out there who are uh, horror fans, like the horror movie genre, um, there's, a, there's a studio that opened up called Newcastle. Okay, I was wrong. It's called Dark Castle Entertainment, founded in 1999. Um, pays homage to William Castle, a horror filmmaker from the 50s and 60s. So they basically went back to all of the movies that were created by William Castle back in the 50s and 60s and wanted to remake them in a modern setting with you know tech, uh, modern technology and CGI and computer graphics and that kind of thing. That's what I want. I want a developer to go back and just completely knock... LJN's uh, complete catalog out of the park. Just go, whoever owns those rights to those actual games, just pick all that up, throw it in a bag, give it a good tussle, maybe just reach your hand way in the deep down in there in the bottom of that corner where all the lint and the loose candy and pennies go, and just reach yourself out a good old title and give me a remake of Beetlejuice. Maybe not a remake of Beetlejuice, but a game inspired by Beetlejuice. I want to be able to walk through a wall and then down in a death pit. That's what I want. That's the game I want to play. Who can give me that? That's what I want. Who wouldn't belly that game? Hey, uh, this game's kind of terrible. So what was your inspiration? Yeah, the LJN catalog. Yeah. Friday the 13th, have you played that one? Yeah, the rocks go over the enemy's heads. Hilarious. It's a perfect weapon to put in our game. Perfect. Just loved it. Man, you ever play Back to the Future? You know those guys who walk back and forth with the plate of glass? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to our game either, but we slab those bad boys in there, and I tell you what, they're the they're they're a tough enemy to deal with on level one, you know? That's a true challenge there. That's that's Dark Souls style challenge right there. They're just they're going at it. You know, they're going for the deep and no apologies, no, no sincerity, just you know, slamming your face and oh, it's too hard for you. It's too hard for you, you plebe. Then you're just you better get good. You better get 
good. Laughing joke nuts. That's what they, that's what the uh, angry video game nerd called it. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that's what LJN actually stands for. That's uh, uh yeah. Yep. That's funny. All right. How about another game fact? This comes from the Contra NES game board playing with the code by Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer is all capitalized. So it means it's a big old sledgehammer. And they write, I just killed myself. So I get the machine gun. You just killed yourself to get the machine gun, which is confusing. So I'm guessing what he means by playing with the code he means the Illuminati code, the one that, you know, the, the longer you play the game, it sends off signals to a satellite using those same signals that the that Nintendo uses to find out how you're playing with the little camera and microphone. You know, it's a it's a very uh, last starfighter uh, section of this game where you put the you put you put that Illuminati code in there and then you kill yourself so you can get the machine gun. But the problem is, is you don't start with the machine gun. That's that's how they do it. That's how they get you. You know, they get you by that's how you know you got the code started. Well, you put that code in, not the Konami code. That's not the code he's talking about. Not this code. He's saying that when he dies, he gets the machine gun, which doesn't normally happen if you're playing Contra. It's usually just a regular gun. And then you got to click the little uh, uh, shoot down that little flappy bird uh, box uh, with metallic wings. And then a, a giant Air Force symbol pops up with a big old letter on it. And if it has the M letter, that's the machine gun. But with this code, when you die, you get that machine gun to start it off. It's a completely different way to play the game. But what does this mean? He's playing with the code? What Does he mean like the code of the game? He means the code of the game. He's hacking the game so that when you die... Instead of just getting the basic gun, you get a leg up. You get a plus one. You get a new game plus with the machine gun instead. You don't have to collect the machine gun anymore. You just die and it's there. He's playing with the code. He's creating something new. Is it an advantage? It's definitely an advantage. Does it make the game more difficult? I don't think that's his angle here. He is the sledgehammer. That is a huge weapon. A sledgehammer could really wreck stuff. Could do some serious damage. And that's what he's doing with the machine gun. You die, you get the machine gun. There's no other way to get it. I just killed myself so I could get the machine gun. That's what he wants. He's playing with the code. Good on you, Sledgehammer. You put that microphone and camera from Nintendo on you and you just put it right back. You rub it back in their face and look at me. I'm playing with the code. Watch me, Sledgehammer. Let's go. All right. We're going to end the show as we always do with the popularity of Mario Odyssey and all the crazy hats and stuff and power-ups that it got in that game. We were going to talk about and speculate what the next power-up of Mario was going to be. And then the next episode, we will talk about how that would implant the gameplay and development of Mario's next game. So what is Mario's next power-up? Umbrella. Not a umbrella, just umbrella. <laughs> I am Eric M. Hunter, giving you hugs and mugs when all else fails. You were almost a Jill sandwich.